Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. I'd like to thank the reformed members of this channel. Inner Scare Wifey, Denise S., Through Scrutiny, Samantha Place, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Norman D.W., Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's Niece. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes or would like to buy me a coffee as a special thank you, all that information can be found down below. If you are new here or haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. Not only does it help the channel, but it also reminds you of every time I release a video. With that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Backwoods Creepy Story. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that there will be no more ads within this video. Video. My family and I have a new puppy that we take outside to walk in the middle of the night. This was around 4 in the morning and she let me know she had to go out. She has always been very intimidated going out in the middle of the night but never thought anything of it. Just as I was about to bring her inside, I hear this howl, human-sounded screech that sounded like it was right behind me. Puppy and I ran so fast into the house. The scream that came out of my body was so bizarre, I just froze in fear as soon as I got inside. My husband was very concerned and immediately locked the doors and brought all of our kids in bed with us. We are trying to chalk it up to maybe a fox. I would normally talk myself into it just being an animal, but the weird vibe I got, I can't even describe it. The howl or scream sounded like it was right in my ear. I will never be going outside alone again. This happened many years ago, when I was about 10 or 11 years old. I wouldn't describe the area I was in as backwoods necessarily, but it was a wooded 100 plus acre ranch. The land is in the southwest part of the United States. My family owns the property and we have family reunions every year and all stay for about five days to camp. 
There's an area of the ranch where we all set up camp and cook and eat. Getting to that part of the ranch requires driving through a small village and several gates for about two miles. The first gate beyond the village is slightly past a set of railroad tracks. There's a lot of description, but it's relevant later in the story. Because I had been camping at the ranch for as long as I could remember and the land was private, my parents would allow me to go off on my own during the day as long as I didn't go too far. I'd spend time walking the property near our camp area looking for arrowheads or trying to catch tadpoles in the ponds. On this day, I left the large camp area after lunch, which was around 11.30, and told my mom I was going to a nearby creek. I planned on catching some tadpoles to bring back to camp and be back on time for a swimming trip my cousins were planning. They wanted to go to a nearby river, and I really didn't want to miss it. I made it to the creek and got several tadpoles. I probably spent a total of 15 minutes down there. To get back to camp, I would have needed to either climb up a relatively steep embankment with a lot of loose rock, or circle around on a longer route with a flat trail. I'd usually go up the embankment, but I didn't have a top for the water bottle I caught the tadpoles with and didn't want to risk slipping and spilling them out or killing them. I had never walked the longer trail by myself, but I had with my dad and felt confident I could find my way back to camp on it. As I walked back to camp, I had my head down looking for arrowheads in the washed out areas of the trail. I started feeling a little creeped out as I continued walking. We all know that feeling like someone is watching. It was unsettling, but I chalked it up to just getting spooked being on the trail by myself. Now, the next part, I can't explain whatsoever. It's as if a light switch was turned on or someone snapped their fingers and I came back to reality. Except, when I came to, I wasn't on the trail I had been on before. I was near the railroad tracks and it was completely dark. My mom was standing in front of me, shaking my shoulders and yelling, Where are you? Two things I remember really clearly about the moments I came to are Number one, the look of fear, anger, relief in my mom's tearful eyes as she was yelling at me. And two, the confusion I felt about what the hell was going on. The last thing I remembered was walking on the trail back to camp and now suddenly it was dark and I was at the railroad tracks leading to the ranch, which was over two miles away. The best way I can describe it is to compare it to the movie The Butterfly Effect. The main character would be living in one moment, then suddenly he'd wake up somewhere entirely different. My parents drove me back to camp and I learned it was 10.30 p.m. This meant I had been gone for 11 hours, about 10 and a half of which I can't account for to this day. My parents and all my family had understandably freaked the hell out when I hadn't returned to camp. They had been looking for me all day. I was a really good kid growing up and almost never broke any rules, so my parents were baffled at my behavior. I tried to explain to them that I had no memory of getting to the tracks, but they didn't believe me. 
They thought maybe I got lost and was embarrassed to admit it. This was the only time I've ever experienced something like this. I can't explain how unsettling it is to not be able to account for all hours I was gone. Was it coincidence that I had that creeped out feeling on the trail and then just lost in and a half hours of my life? I wished I had answers for what happened. Has anyone else had anything similar like this happen to you? Okay, to start, I'm a 23 year old. At the time of this story, I was 19. I'm also 5'5 and a big fat girl from England. My weight and country come into play later. So, I used to walk my dog at night until this experience. Not the kind of dark where you can't see anything, but the kind where you can make out a fair bit, but not perfectly. Disclaimer of what the area is like. Middle of nowhere village. Everyone knows each other. Strangers or visitors are always spotted. A fair few of my neighbors walk late. And the neighbor I meet most, who always goes out then, is a six foot three inch, heavily tattooed 46 year old man with two very unfriendly big dogs, one Mastiff and one German Shepherd. We were great friends, we still are, and the only other dog his wooden attack was mine, so I had no worries at that late hour because he was normally just a shout away. This night, I bumped into him just ending his walk, which had happened a couple of times, so no big worries. I'm around half an hour into my 45-minute walk, in the woods, earphones in with music playing, and just checking my phone for what song to play next. I notice my dog is looking up as if he can see something. I assume it's another neighbor, fox, or deer. My dog doesn't chase anything, so it was normal he didn't run after any animal. I looked up calmly to see a strange man standing around 20 to 25 feet away from me, holding a rifle. No dog. It wasn't hunting season, and this is England, so getting a gun unless you're a farmer, let alone a rifle, was very difficult. He looked shocked but angry to see me there. At this point, I remember my head torch and he turns to look at me. He angles himself to face me, and at this point, I knew I couldn't turn around or run since I'm very out of shape. More so then, so I carry on walking. As we go past, my dog gives a wide berth, which is unusual since he's so friendly and loves literally everyone and everything. When I was level with him, he just shuffled and said, evening. I responded with the usual good evening and sped walk out of there. Looking back over my shoulder as I was about to leave the woods, I saw he hadn't moved. Just stood there looking at me. I never walked alone at night again. This freaked me out so much because it's never happened again. And any hunting near me has to be done in a certain area at a certain time of year. He could have been hunting, but... I'm not sure I would have heard a gun go off at some point, since sound travels and I can hear bird scarers in the other fields through my headphones. For context, I didn't walk with the neighbor a lot, 
because he was inconsistent with times due to work, and it had been safe with no issues for three years before this. I really don't know what happened, and it's freaking me out. I really just need some help understanding what happened to me and my friends. I'm sorry in advance, but this is going to be a long one. I want to preface this by saying it's 3 a.m. while I'm writing this, and I'm sorry for any grammatical errors or verbiage. Okay, let me explain. Two days ago, I was with my friends. For safety reasons, let's call them Callie and Xander. And we were at my grandparents' house while they were out of town because I am the caretaker of the house when they are gone and my friend wanted to hang out for a little bit. After I finished all my chores, I decided I wanted to take them to my old hideout in the woods. I do remember telling them the woods were off limits and that if my uncle caught us, I'd be in trouble. Xander was a little hesitant but ended up going with me in Cali. I just want to clarify, they both agreed to go. I did not force them. Anyway, like a group of stupid teenagers in a horror movie, we all walked to the woods looking to just have some fun and mess around. We get to the opening in the woods, and I tell them it's going to be a very big climb. Callie pulls out her phone and starts recording. Xander sounds a little scared and says he's not good with climbing, but... Callie ends up convincing him to go anyway. After Xander agrees, Callie screams, Bring it on! In a joking way. It's important for the rest of the story later. Before entering the woods with Xander and I. We get about halfway to the hideout when Xander stops and says he has an eerie feeling. I tell him it's probably nothing and we continued walking. A few minutes later, we were at my old hideout, and Callie started being all loud and obnoxious, and I had to remind her to be quiet because of my uncle. At some point, Xander asks if we can leave because his back was starting to hurt, so we got up and started walking back. We got out of the woods and started to walk back to the house when Xander and Callie started to freak out, saying they really didn't have a good feeling. I told them I didn't feel anything, but right as I did, I got a very scary image in my head. It was this thing. It's about six foot five, black, muscular figure with horns crawling on all fours. I tell them this, and Callie ends up saying she needs to sit down because it felt like someone had punched her in the stomach, and then she collapses onto the ground. I looked at Xander and asked him to help me get her up. She was still awake, but really out of it. We start walking with her, and we only get a few steps when she regains complete consciousness. She looks at us and says, I'm scared. Right after she says that, we hear a little kid screaming bloody murder. Without thinking, we all sprint back to the house. We get back to the house and Xander and I are freaking out at this point, but Callie is oddly calm. We ask her what's wrong and she won't answer. 
five minutes into trying to see if she's okay, she starts mumbling in a language that isn't English. And for as long as I've known Callie, I know that the only language she knows is English. She keeps mumbling and then starts laughing too. I tell Xander to get Callie to the car while I run inside the house to lock the doors. I get the house all locked down and then I run to my car. Xander is holding Callie at this point and I'm trying to find my key. I find it in my pocket and I unlock the car for Xander to get Callie in the car. I hop in the car and crank it while Xander is getting her buckled in and everything else. Xander got in the car and I rush out of there heading to my dad's house to get my sage and other stuff because at this point Xander and I have a feeling she's not Callie anymore if you know what I mean. I'm speeding through some back roads to get to my dad's house because I realize the longer we're in the car, the worse Callie was getting. She was unresponsive and not reacting to anything we said to her. We get her to my dad's and I run inside and get the sage. I told Xander to take her outside to the backyard so my neighbors wouldn't see us. Xander sits her down and I light the sage, and I'm smudging the sage and saying something along the lines of, This is her body, not yours. You need to leave. I do not welcome you here anymore. You are not allowed to haunt her, my friends, the house, or me. And about 20 minutes later, Callie comes back. We ask her what happened, and she said she didn't remember anything and that she felt trapped. Six or seven minutes later, my dad called me and told me he had just left work and that he was going to pick up food. I told him I had friends over and he offered to get them food too. At this point, we had all calmed down. We tell him what we want. We eat and laugh like nothing happened, but it doesn't end there at all. The next day, yesterday basically, my friend Xander didn't come to school I texted him asking if he was okay, and this is what he said to me. Yeah, I'm fine. Something happened last night, and it made me stay up until 3 a.m., so my mom let me stay home. And then hours later, he followed up with, I think a spirit has attached to me, like an evil one. And Callie texted me saying something felt very wrong in her house. She sent me a video and it was her walking into her room and the blinds were moving. Stuff was knocked off the shelves and she was just freaking out because none of her family was home. She was all alone hours after we got out of school that day too. And to be honest, I don't like the feeling I get sleeping at my dad's. Not to mention, I have guinea pigs and they've been acting weird since this happened. Like, they're more aggressive towards me and each other. I really don't know what to make of this, and I need your help understanding it, if you know anything about it. I've always been super creeped out by this experience. And I've thought a long time about posting it, but it wasn't until I told one of my friends this story that they pointed out this might be a men in black type of story. Anyways, here we go. 
And also, please forgive my grammar, as English is not my first language. It was my middle brother's 10th birthday party, so this was like 2006. In the woods I grew up as my backyard was Seneca Creek Park, which is also where Blair Witch supposedly took place. My brother's birthday party was pirate-themed, and I guess my mom had given us chocolate coins for treasure. I don't really remember why, but all the boys at the party, myself and my mom, walked through the woods before having any cake. My youngest brother, Jesse, six at the time, told me when we got back to the house, he left his coins by the bridge in the woods. That part of the woods was where a fork came into the path. Left was the bridge leading to a walking trail, and right was deeper on the path headed near the creek. So I decided I would go and find his coins and told him to come with me. Oddly enough, my mom warned us not to go, but we still did. And she let us? The bridge was about a five minute walk from the bottom of our hill that was our backyard. We walked into the woods and everything was normal, just like it was when we were just there with the group. We finally made it to the bridge and I found Jesse's coins right away. I was bent down and Jesse was behind me and I looked up while grabbing Jesse's coins and there's a man in all white with a white brim hat. I thought it was a cowboy hat and then a man behind him wearing all white too but he wasn't wearing a hat. They appeared out of nowhere and I started backing up right away when I saw the first man because I felt pure fear. He saw me scared and backing off, and he said, I don't bite. That's when I told Jesse to run, and I was screaming run, and we ran home. I didn't even check to see if they were following us, but we ran all the way out of the woods and up the hill screaming because the group and my mom were on the back deck, and I knew if the men knew people were listening for us, maybe they wouldn't chase us. We told the boys and my mom what happened, and my mom said, See, I told you so. And that was it. It was so scary, and they truly came out of nowhere. They just appeared. My brother remembered this as vividly as I do. Has anyone ever encountered men in all white in the woods? I never really knew what this all meant, but it was so creepy, and this is probably the best place to try and figure it out. Thank you for listening to my story. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. 
They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. I've never been a big fan of camping. Circa 2012, for some reason or another, my friend and I decided to take a Saturday night to camp on private property. We had permission from the owner. On the bank of a small lake in the rural American Southeast. The lake wasn't very large, probably only 50 to 150 yards across. Not great at estimating distance. It was more of a deep pond but it was five times as long as it was wide, and, from the perspective of our camp, it consumed the majority of our sight line. The plot of land itself wasn't entirely removed from civilization. We were five to ten miles outside of a small suburb of a mid-sized southern city. It definitely was not easy to access. However, and the only way in was a gated, narrow dirt road across a levee which spanned one side of the lake. This road was gated and locked. The owner gave us his code. We pulled the car through and locked the gate behind us. If you've ever been down south, you know how quickly it gets isolated outside of cities. Our cities are small, and the rural people around often lived rough and wild. We have dense woods, so thick that they're not worth building in unless you have some connection or attachment to the area. I've heard it was not profitable to cut roads through a lot of it when they were building highways in the 50s, so not much development has happened in the last hundred years and in some places since the Civil War. It's not uncommon to go for a 30-minute drive straight out of town and come upon cabins that are obviously off the grid. My friend and I used to live in the suburbs, so we were just happy to see stars and hear the sounds of nature. We were at our very utilitarian camp, small Coleman two-person tent and a blanket, simply looking around and enjoying the night, when suddenly my buddy set up real straight. He said something like, See that guy over there? He pointed to the other side of the small lake. I didn't see anything. I sat up slightly and said, Nah, it's just the dark playing tricks on you. He seemed actually shaking. No, look, there's a bunch of faces behind the trees now. That got my attention, and I sat up fully rubbing my eyes to try to gain full focus. And then I saw them. Small, round, white faces stared back at me from across the lake. Maybe 15 to 20 of them. All were positioned in such a way that their bodies were behind the trees, and only their heads were visible. 
The best way I can describe the faces is like very pale and somehow internally illuminated children. I should mention that neither of us were drinking or high. We were too young for that. Not for at least a few more years. We had eaten dinner at home and were just planning on going to sleep after chilling out for a while. The faces weren't moving. I was kind of sitting there in shock thinking that my eyes would adjust and I would see that they were a reflection or bugs or owls or something. But I would never come to that realization. I stared right back at them for what felt like five minutes, looked back at my friend and then they were gone. Bodies of water carry sound extremely well and we heard extensive shuffling from the other side of the lake and a couple of small branches snap. It's incredible what your ears pick up on during an otherwise silent night. My buddy was tearing up a little when he said, What the hell were those? And I didn't have a good answer. Neither of us slept particularly well. I definitely felt validated in my feelings of disliking camping. But what were we going to do? I tried to do some research on the internet, but never found a phenomenon that could explain what we saw. Hello to you all. I'm posting this for 80% entertainment value and 20% feedback. This is entirely non-fictional. I'm not a spiritual person. I'm resistant to energies and vibes, though I believe there are others who are more tapped into their surroundings than I am in that regard. And I'm a cynic with most paranormal things, except Bigfoot. I believe in the Sasquatch, but we ain't talking about him right now. I live in the foothills of western North Carolina, near the base of the Blue Ridge. I lived in the mountains for a few years and hated it up there. I despise the woods with a burning passion. Yet, just my luck, I've moved back in with my folks into their cabin, surrounded by woods. The land my family owns stretches across about 15 acres of woodland. Now, these are the woods I grew up in. Despite my typical aversion to nature, I feel pretty safe in them. I climbed the trees and splashed in the creek and played with stick swords when I was a kid. These woods are home, except for the area behind the backyard. Our cabin is positioned at the top of a pretty steep hill that slopes down for about half a mile before it bottoms out at a creek down in the woods. The halfway point between the house and the creek is this little patch of woods right behind the fenced-in area around the house. It's always in shade. No thick undergrowth, just trees. Carolina red clay. Piles of leaves. You know, the usual. But it feels really weird down there in a way I cannot explain. I feel very unwelcome out behind the house. And I'm not the only one. My parents avoid it too. Even our pets, past and present, have always steered clear of it. I'm going to list some of the experiences that might get my point across a little better. 
A. I was about eight or nine and one summer thought I'd try camping in the backyard. I set up my family's unused tent, loaded it up with an air mattress and a pile of blankets. Copper, my beloved dear stuffy, and some comic books. I guess I wanted to be excited about it, but even before the sun went down when mom was helping me set up my little camping trip, I started to feel uneasy. The shady patch of woods around the backyard was just weird. But as a kid, so I figured to hell with it. I'm 20 feet from the house. I'll be fine. Reader, I was not fine. I got set up for the night, stayed up reading comics, felt like an outdoorsman, and it had barely gotten dark when I began hearing things. Rhythmic crunching in the woods behind the backyard, like something big was walking in circles around the undergrowth. We don't have bears in my neck of the woods. Besides, whatever it was, it was definitely walking on two legs. It never tried to approach the backyard, even as I sat there with Copper just listening to it. It just kept walking. I barely lasted an hour at that damn tent before running inside and getting into my own bed. B. My mom's an avid gardener and decided she was going to put together four or five raised gardening beds in the backyard for herbs and veggies. This was when I was 11-ish, so naturally I was roped in to help. We spent the first part of the spring putting them together and getting them started. I began noticing that both of us would get really edgy and irritable back there. We're best friends and we'd never fight, but we'd be snapping at each other constantly, raising that damn garden. I also noticed for the first time that the woods behind the house are deathly quiet. Playing music or talking didn't make a difference. It was that kind of silence that presses in on you. And it's always like that back there. The beds actually thrived for a little while, but mom would always ask me to come with her when she tended to them. I thought it was silly at the time. When I got older, she told me she just couldn't be down there by herself. She'd wait until I was home from school before checking on them because she, too, felt uneasy and unwelcome down there. Eventually, we just abandoned the project. The raised beds are still down there, by the way, just rotting away in the undergrowth. Haven't checked on them since middle school, and I'm 23 now. C. Lastly, and in my opinion, the creepiest, was the time I asked Mom to cut my hair. We were poorer then, so rather than go to a salon, Mom just gave me a twice-monthly trim. It was late spring and warm, so she suggested we cut it in the backyard for easier cleanup. I was maybe 13 or 14 at this point. So we ventured down. I brought a stool and sat diligently while she cut my hair. Side note, my mom has always cut my hair, so she is very good at it. She doesn't make mistakes. This is important. As she worked and we talked, I noticed that old, familiar feeling of unease. We were not welcome back there. 
The trees stood still and shadowy despite the brilliant sunny day, and I remember that it was cold. Very cold. Mom finished up my haircut and I shook off the extra debris to let her admire her handiwork. She stepped around in front of me, angled my head this way and that, said it looked good. Three things happened in very quick succession. First, I felt this squeeze of pressure on my lungs, like I couldn't breathe. It was such a weird sensation that I just froze. All of the uneasiness of the atmosphere pressed in on me all at once. Second, my mom got this weird, vacant look on her face. I remember her smile fading and her eyes going a little glassy, like she was lost in thought. And then, she reached out with the scissors, still making these empty expressions, and snipped a deep cut into the skin right over my left eye. I freaked out, jumped down off the stool, and backed away. At the same time, she seemed to gather herself again, and she was almost in tears. She apologized over and over again, not even bothering to take anything with us as we ran back to the house to treat the cut and stop the bleeding. I still have a little scar there, and she's never forgiven herself for it. There wasn't even any hair hanging over that eye, either. I had a pixie cut at the time. So yeah, a few of the many weird experiences that make me avoid the backyard now. I haven't even been down there in seven or eight years. But now that I'm living here again, I just sometimes look into the backyard and feel that weird shudder of apprehension. What's the deal? Why don't we feel welcome in a 50-square-foot patch of land that we own? Why is it so dark and quiet all the time? I have no idea, but my parents and I just work around it and pretend it isn't there. If any of you know what this could be, or whatever, please let me know so my mind can finally rest. This happened when I was growing up, around 2004-2005, when I was about 13 years old. It took place in a rural area, a good ways outside the town of Uvalde, Texas. The town itself was really small back then, and not much to look at. It's just one of those towns that really isn't on the way to anywhere important. My father knew someone who owned a deer lease that was about a thousand acres, I think, down outside of the area and was complaining about a ton of hogs that were tearing up their land. Being open season on hogs in the south, my dad thought he would surprise me that summer and take me down for a week to go hunting for them. Not only did that help him with networking for his job, but also gave us some quality father-son time. I remember the drive down there from Dallas was torture. It was about seven hours in my dad's hardtop Jeep Wrangler. That car was so uncomfortable. I hated it. All I had to do was either stare out the window or try and beat Super Mario Land 2 on my Game Boy Pocket, something I was never able to accomplish in my youth. The drive, obviously, took most of the day, so we got there in the early evening. 
The owner of the land had told my dad that he hadn't had anyone lease it that year yet, and the cabin in the property might be a little rough and dusty. I didn't really care. At this point in my life, I had been in scouts for a couple years and spent a lot of my free time in the woods or fishing with friends. Needless to say, I was pretty comfortable roughing it. So, after unlocking the gate and driving to the cabin on the land, we settled in. The cabin was pretty rough. Dust and dirt everywhere. Flies, I remember, that it looked like some raccoons had gotten into the cabin and crapped on the floor. After cleaning up a bit and getting the sleeping bags out, then setting up the cots, we decided to sleep. Something about that night was weird. I never was able to get comfortable enough to fall asleep for any restful amount. I couldn't put my finger on why, but I had that feeling of being watched. I was finally able to drift off for what I guessed was an hour, maybe. When we woke up, it was early, about 7am I think. We decided to scout around the land for tracks and signs of hogs and find a good place to set up a blind. It was the summer and horribly hot in the afternoon, so morning was the best time to be out and about. After walking for an hour or so, we came to an area of trees, lightly dense and luckily found some signs of hogs. Typically torn up ground where they had been rooting, so we followed them into the trees. I was looking for more signs when my dad stopped me with his arm. I remember looking up and seeing someone standing about 50 yards away. Some of their body was blocked by trees. This was private land, so they definitely weren't supposed to be there. We also had confirmation from the owner before we got the lease that nobody was there, not to mention the gate was locked up when we first arrived. The person was wearing some bright colored red jacket. We slowly walked toward them. My dad called out something like, Hey, we're hunters. This is private land. The person didn't move at all. Dead still. We were about 30 yards away and could see that he was turned away from us with his hands in his pockets. Weird thing was that the person was in a ski jacket and what looked to be ski pants. Now, this is Texas in the summer. It was about 98 outside by then. My dad called out again. No reaction. He told me to stay behind him and unsnap the clip to his pistol holster. That's all we had at the time since we were only scouting the area. The rifles were back at the cabin. We approached the person's right side and then my dad told me to stay put about 20 yards away. I stayed and crouched down watching him circle around to the front of the man, all the while talking to him, asking if he was okay. He finally passed around to the front of the man, and my dad stood straight up with a confused look on his face. I called out and said, Dad, what's wrong? And he called back saying, It's a mannequin. I walked over to it while my dad stood there staring, and as I got closer, one thing stood out the most. The clothes it was wearing were brand new. No dust, sap, bird shit, 
or signs of being outside for more than any more than a day at most. At that moment, I looked at my dad and could see him get worried, almost immediately after I felt that feeling again, like we were being watched and I knew my dad felt it too. I wanted to start crying. I remember feeling suddenly so scared. My dad whispered, you're leaving right now. He grabbed my hand and drew his pistol. He scanned the area the whole way back while I was trying to hold back panicked tears. We got back as fast as we could. I was terrified so it felt like an eternity but in reality it was only about 45 minutes max. After returning we packed up and beat feet. We drove back home that day and didn't talk much on the way back. I remember right after we left, my dad called his buddy, the owner of the land, and he was confused. He said that he would go check it out next week when he was in the area. He also said that he had never had an issue with people because his property was high fenced. My dad normally isn't a paranoid person, but me being young and the least possibly having someone there, we didn't know about. He decided to be cautious and just get the hell out of there. After we got back home, we talked and my dad wasn't able to sleep that night before as well. He had the same feeling but didn't want to wake me up because he thought I was sleeping too. Turns out, that next week, he got a call from his buddy and he checked the whole property and never found any trace of anyone, no mannequin or anything. That story still makes my hair stand on end. No idea what that was, but the paranoid man in me thinks it was some kind of trap or something. Not the creepiest thing that has happened to me in the woods, but definitely top three. So, whoever was out there, I'm glad we never met. I'm a Nepalese guy living in Norway. A couple of years back when I was 14 roughly, there was this trail between my neighborhood and the school I used to go to. It took about 10 minutes to get across it. Covered full of tree branches and a deep valley you need to climb with a little creek running through it. This one particular autumn day, the leaves were falling off the trees and the temperature was getting lower. 8 degrees Celsius, roughly. Was the one time I experienced this hyper uncomfortable feeling that I was getting watched by something. You don't know how that feeling is unless you have either been hunted or been looked at with strong feelings. I had the feeling that I was being watched and me being the paranoid and curious kid, I still am, took a glance back to where it came from. I saw nothing so I kept walking. I hear someone yell my name, and I look back, expecting one of the kids from my neighborhood wanting to walk with me back home. No, I saw nothing. There was nothing behind me. I even stood there for what felt like a solid minute, but was probably more like five to seven seconds before I bolted it. The problem was, Someone could have been yelling my name as states due to the valley being there, but 
At the same time, the yelling came from this rock, a little bit to the right. Whatever that was calling my name was behind the big rock. I believe there was a reason our ancestors were weary of the woods. I have heard of skinwalkers and wendigos or flashgates, but the problem is I live in Norway. How could this be? Telemark County to be specific. Anyone else with this experience? My siblings and I live in a pretty rural countryside with only two neighbors, one in the front of our house and one to the right side of it. To the left of our house, we have pretty dense woods. Neither of our neighbors have children. It was late spring, early summer, and we had decided to play hide and seek in the woods, as we would do pretty commonly. We had been going for a few rounds, and it was my younger brother's turn to seek. So me and my sister decided to hide together. We crossed the creek and hopped over logs until we found a pretty wide tree to hide behind. We waited a few seconds and we heard my brother say, ready or not, here I come. I motioned her to stay quiet and get behind me to stay hidden. We sat there for minutes while I peeked around the side of the tree to watch my brother. At this point, I'm locked into the game and I'm not paying attention. My sister nudges me and it caught me pretty off guard, so I look over and she's pointing at one of the trees near the abandoned shack behind us. I look to where she is pointing and I see what appears to be a kid, anywhere from 10 to 13, peering around the tree, looking directly at us. The first thing I noticed is that he was wearing a green and white striped shirt. I looked at his face, but saw nothing. His head was there, but he had no facial features, like a blank canvas. Quickly, I got up and pulled my sister along and ran back towards the house. My brother was still looking for us, so as we passed, we just told him to run, and he did. We ran inside the house to tell our mom what we saw. She brushed it off as our imagination, but we insisted that we saw it. To this day, I don't know what it was, but my sister who saw it first is convinced that it had no face. I saw it only for a second, so what I saw could have been just my mind playing tricks, but I still wonder what it was and why it was just watching us. Years ago, I moved from my very small town to a remote valley out in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by national forests and not many neighbors. It was just what I had always wanted. At that point in my life, I had been a paramedic for about four or five years, and being an outdoorsy, civic-minded sort, I decided to volunteer my services with a local search and rescue organization. For being such a tiny, poorly funded organization, we were surprisingly busy. In the nine years I was with them, we'd have at least one rescue, sometimes several, every weekend, spring through fall. 
The source of the majority of these calls was the roughly 100 miles of poorly maintained fire trails that were very popular with dirt bike and quad riders. When they'd inevitably get lost or wreck and get injured, he'd head out, track them down, provide medical care, and fly them out on a helicopter or put them on a Stokes basket mounted to a janky-ass trailer thing we'd pull with a quad. About two weeks after joining, and with zero training beyond what I had learned as a Boy Scout and medic, I got my very first call. A group of dirt bikers from the city had lost a member of their party. For some reason, they had put their least experienced rider at the back of the group of a dozen or so riders and took off into the woods. When they returned to the trailhead four hours later, the inexperienced guy was missing. They set out again and looked for him for four or five hours, then gave up and called 911. The time interval from the initial 911 call until we had a squad assembled at the trailhead was pretty impressive, no more than 20 minutes, but we were already eight or nine hours behind the ball. We did a very quick briefing distributed maps, divided into teams, then set off. They put me on a quad with the most experienced guy, and we headed out. The plan was for each two- to three-person team to take one of the longer trails that ringed the place. Then, after searching those, we'd systematically work out a way into the shorter, maze-like trails that made up the interior. This was to be a hasty search, None of that grid search crap, just riding around looking for clues. I don't know what I had expected exactly, maybe a few dirt roads through the woods or something, but these trails were an absolute nightmare. They were extremely rugged, technical trails where you really had to know what the hell you were doing and where you were going or you'd never make it out. GPS rarely worked due to the rugged terrain and tree cover. Radios and cell phones were a crapshoot, and the maps didn't account for all the random trails riders would just sort of make. The only marked roads were fire breaks, and mileage-wise, those accounted for maybe 10% of the trails. Why this guy hadn't been partnered with someone or put at the front of the group is a mystery. Four hours later, into this, I'm caked with mud, bleeding from being hit with branches, exhausted, and just freaking done. We take a water break and hear broken radio traffic that sounds like the bike has been found, but no rider. It's only a couple of miles from us, so we head that direction. When we get there, the bike is off to the side of the road, along with the quads of the other teams but we can see them a few hundred feet into the woods. We walk over and find them looking down at the missing person, who is very dead. Lips blue, skin dusky, arms spread out like a cross. On first glance, his eyes look to be wide open and solid white, but when I examined him, I could see that his eyes were actually covered with fly eggs. Dude had been dead for a while. It didn't make sense though. His bike still had gas in it. He had water and food, and he was a healthy guy in his late 20s. Why was he dead? 
It looked like he had simply laid his bike down and then ran into the woods to die. Mission accomplished, I guess. We wrapped him in blankets, then put him on the stokes and took him to the trailhead, where the coroner was waiting. About a week later, I ran into the coroner and asked what the cause of death had been. The pathologist's determination was cardiac dysthemia secondary to extreme anxiety. The guy literally died of fright, which up to that point I had always assumed was Hollywood bullshit. I've always wondered what was going through his head. Was he just afraid of the woods or of being lost? If so, why did he run blindly into the woods instead of continuing to follow the trail? There's a part of me that thinks he may have seen something out there. I've heard a lot of stories about weird shit in these woods, and I've seen a few strange things myself, so it wouldn't surprise me. When I was around 10, I ran away from home. My ex-stepfather and his wife took me way up in the mountains and hid me. Everything was fine until my stepdad's friend came up to our camp. Not sure why my stepdad and his wife left, but they did, leaving me alone with this friend. All during my growing up phase, I had been warned that this guy liked his girls young and not to be alone with him. Yet, here I was, miles from help, with this way older dude getting creepier and creepier in his comments and actions. I waited till he stepped out to take a leak, and I grabbed the horse I had been assigned and went to hide in the woods. I got far enough away to where I couldn't be seen and hunkered down to wait for the safe adult to come back. I could see the guy hunting around for me, but he couldn't see me. It was dark, and luckily my horse stayed quiet. I don't know for certain what that guy wanted, but I'm really glad my instincts led me into those woods and away from him. This just happened within the past 20 minutes. The feeling of dread is finally subsiding. I was driving with my boyfriend to this little cemetery I wanted to check out while we waited for a friend of mine we're meeting to be done with work. I live in southwestern Pennsylvania, so there are a lot of wooded areas. We were driving down this one road in a pretty populated rural area and then we turned onto the road we had to drive down to get to the cemetery. Immediately, the pit in my stomach formed. It was about 1.30 a.m. when we drove down there, so the only light for miles were our headlights. We were surrounded by a void of pitch black nothingness. As we crept down the road, that feeling of dread grew and grew until my boyfriend stopped the car altogether. His eyes were glued to something right ahead of us. I saw a small light coming towards us, which I thought could be very distant headlights. Thus, I interpreted his panic as one of, oh shit, people, and went on my blah blah blah, this is an illegal speech. 
since he had expressed earlier his fear of a run-in with the cops. My boyfriend started panicking more and was trying to figure out how to get out of there. We turned around and got out of there as fast as we could. He told me he had seen a decent-sized shadow, and the light that I thought was distant headlights was actually the reflection off of something's eyes. Growing up in Appalachia, I am not a fan of the woods. I don't know what we saw, but I know that whatever it was, the dreaded instilled in both of us was palpable. I went to the battlefield of Bull Run, Virginia not too long ago and had an experience I cannot explain. I will state that I'm a bit of a skeptic and still am, but this experience was hard to rationalize. It was a dreary, rainy day with a slight mist clinging to the ground. I had driven to the battlefield later in the day and was the only person on the grounds, except for the occasional park ranger walking around the perimeter of the visitor center. The sky was gray and growing darker. I was standing next to an old house at the top of a hill near the parking lot, which was not far from the visitor center. As I took in the panoramic view of the darkening battlefield, it began to grow colder. As I pulled my jacket in tighter, I felt a hand on my shoulder, and I heard a man whisper, Get down. I whipped around, expecting to see a park ranger behind me, but there was nothing. I snapped back around and looked towards the visitor center, thinking maybe a ranger was yelling out to me to get off the hill, because the grounds were closing, but I saw no one. I began to get very nervous, desperately searching the horizon for any signs of life. Who was that? I said to myself. What was that? As I frantically looked around, I began to notice that the mist on the ground began to dance gently, as if someone or something was disturbing it like an unseen man was walking away from me. The strange movements of the mist distracted me from my former nervousness, but I soon snapped back to reality when I heard an ungodly shriek inside the locked house. It was definitely the voice of a woman. It started loud and shrill but slowly tapered off into low, guttural gargling. I don't think I ever ran as fast as I did after hearing that wail. I startled the park ranger at the desk when I yanked open the door to the visitor center and slammed it shut, panting and babbling like an insane man. When I finally gained my composure, I told the ranger what had occurred, and he tried to give a convincing smile. He told me I must have been out in the cold too long and invited me to check out the informational film, small museum, or gift shop. While I took him up on his offer to check out the gift shop, I couldn't get over the ranger's underlying fear. He appeared to be hiding something, but I understand he couldn't say anything that might frighten future visitors, so I let the matter go for the time being. When I got home, I scoured the internet for any explanation of the terror I had experienced, and I found 
that an old woman died in the house, killed by a cannon aimed at Confederate sharpshooters near the house. Was it the ghost of a Confederate sharpshooter that warned me to get down? Was it the old woman's tortured spirit that let loose that blood-curdling shriek? I will never know, but there is something supernatural out there on that battlefield. And in that thing's mind, the war doesn't seem to be over. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true backwoods creepy stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. I'll be reading to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.